0: hello and welcome to episode one of the craft and cluster podcast a show all about marketing your wine brand in the digital age i'm your host heather danitz a photographer and social media consultant based in santa barbara wine country i help wineries tell the true stories of how they get their wine from grape to glass In today's episode, we are starting from the ground up and talking all about how to get going with marketing your business on Instagram. In 2017, I was working for a vineyard management company here on the central coast of California. I performed many a duty for them, from pest scouting to grape sales to creating powdery mildew reports. Amidst all that, the company owners had also tasked me with starting an Instagram account for them. I had no idea what I was doing at first, but I did know that I needed to have a strategy if this social media thing was going to work. Today we are going to go over the steps I took to create and build up that account, as well as a few tips I've picked up in my four years of marketing wine on Instagram. Get a pad of paper and a pencil, or if you're driving, listen intently. Here we go. The first step you're going to take when establishing or optimizing your Instagram profile is to understand your purpose. Your purpose is the reason you have an Instagram account for your business. It could be obvious like to sell more wine online or to book more tasting experiences, or it could be more along the lines of to increase brand awareness. For the vineyard management company I worked for, The purpose of their Instagram was to increase brand awareness and to educate the community about what the hell a vineyard management company even does. My own business Instagram is to increase brand awareness and to sell my services. You have to have a purpose for your Instagram account. Without it, you will have zero direction for your content. Your purpose will help you figure out what the main focus of your content is going to be. If you're trying to sell more wine or tasting experiences, you're likely going to create more posts about your wine or experiences, and your focus will be more on increasing your website clicks and post engagements. If your purpose is brand awareness and PR, you're likely going to be heavy on educational content and will want to focus on audience growth rather than post engagements. You'll create posts about all of these things but your purpose is going to inform which topics and goals you are more focused on. Okay, your next step is to ID who your target audience is. This is important, so don't skip it. You may already know who this is based on who frequents your tasting room or website, but perhaps this is new to you. Here are a few examples from my clients on who their target audiences are. One client focuses on folks in their mid 40s to 60s with a household income of over $150,000 living in the Los Angeles County area. They like bold reds and an elegant, high end, personalized tasting experience. They likely drive or aspire to drive Teslas, Audis, and BMWs. They pair their wine with filet mignon. Another client is focusing on folks in their early 30s to mid-50s, living in beachy or mountain towns. They probably listen to the Grateful Dead, are laid back but adventurous, and like a funky, earthy wine. Their hobbies include surfing, hiking, and listening to awesome music. They're probably in a band. And they like to pair their wines with burgers and tacos. Do you see how different those audiences are? These brands market in entirely different ways because their audiences are very different people. One brand uses darker, more elegant imagery and has a serious, more refined voice in their content. They invite their audience into a glamorous scene. Whereas the second brand uses more bright and vibrant imagery. They speak in a goofy, sarcastic voice and invite their audience into an adventurous story. Now, you may end up attracting folks who are adjacent to your ideal audience, and that's okay too, but anytime you plan your content, you should be speaking to one person. For example, my target audience comprises small wine brands who are bootstrapping their marketing, but I sometimes attract breweries, chocolate makers, other photographers, and wine influencers. But again, my first priority is to write content that my target audience will find valuable. Now that we've established why you're on Instagram and who you're talking to, we're going to get into the meat of setting up or optimizing your Instagram bio. First, your username. Your username should be your company's name, and I recommend having it all be one word rather than broken up by underscores. This simply looks cleaner and people trust it more. So instead of at your underscore brand underscore name, your username is going to be at your brand name. It's also important to consider what your website domain is. If your domain is blah, blah then your username should be at blah, blah wines. But if your domain is blah blahwinery.com, then your username should be at blah blah winery. You dig? Basically, You want there to be consistency across your domain and social media platforms. This will increase your search ranking and will solidify what your customers look for when they are seeking out your brand. Too many deviations can be confusing. And as Donald Miller says in his book, Building a Story Brand, if you confuse, you'll lose. Next up is the name field. This is the field directly underneath your username. Important note. Both your username and your name field are searchable. So I always recommend using keywords your target audience might be searching when looking for accounts to follow. My username is craft and cluster on Instagram, but my name field is Heather wine photographer. This way, if people are looking for a wine photographer, my account will pop up. And if people are looking for craft and cluster, they'll find me too. Your name field can only be 30 characters long, so you do have to be concise here. Another thing to note, you can only change your name field twice every 14 days, so I highly recommend carefully planning out what your name field will be before you commit, instead of just throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping it will stick. I learned this the hard way recently. Here's an example of a wine brand that is using keywords effectively in their username and name fields. Their username is at Camines to Dreams and their name field says natural wines dash Santa Rita Hills. This way, if people are searching for Camines to Dreams, they'll find them. But if they don't yet know them and are searching for natural wines or wines in the Santa Rita Hills, their account will still pop up. Side note, you should totally check out Camines to Dreams. They make awesome wine. All right. Next up is your bio. This is where you give your elevator pitch of what your brand is in 150 characters or less. The most important thing to keep in mind is that your bio is not the place to get cute and clever. It's also not the place to use industry-specific terms. Save that shit for your posts and stories. The person who's stumbling across your page for the first time does not give a single crap if you make terroir-driven wines or bespoke whatever. What they care about is, do you have good wine? Some examples of good bios are Camines to Dreams, who in their bio informs the viewer that their tasting room is open by appointment only, they specialize in Syrah and Gruner Veltliner, and they are a wife and wife winemaking team. Another good example is Brave and Maiden, who says, appointment-based wine tastings and intimate venue in Santa Barbara wine country wines are handcrafted by Joshua Clapper. What both of these bios do is tell their potential audience who they are, where they are located, and what they can offer them. Hot tip. I mentioned this book earlier, but I highly recommend reading Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller to learn how to write a one-liner. A modified version of that one-liner is what will go in your Instagram bio. I will be referencing building a story brand often in this podcast, so seriously, read it. It's going to help you so much. Okay, now on to the most crucial part of your bio, the call to action. It's a fact that most people will not take action on something unless you call them to action. This means that you need to tell your audience exactly what you want them to do at the end of your bio. If you want them to purchase your wine, then you need to say, buy our wine. If you want them to join your wine club, then you need to say, join our wine club. Again, this isn't the place to get cute and clever. Tell them exactly what you want them to do with simple, direct words. Some examples of good calls to action are Brave and Maiden's Click Link to Taste Safe at Home, which features a link to Brave and Maiden's virtual wine tastings. Also, Kamines to Dreams very simple and straight to the point, shop with a downward pointing arrow emoji, is very effective. Speaking of links, your bio is one of the only places on Instagram to put a clickable link, so you want to use this spot to your advantage. You always want your link to direct your customers to exactly where you want them to go, but there are a few ways you can accomplish this. The first way is with a direct link to a specific page on your website. The advantage to this is your audience will land precisely where you want them to. The disadvantage, though, is that you're going to have to change this link with every call to action you do. Another way is to use a Linktree link. Linktree is a third-party link where you can create a landing page with a list of a few different calls to action with links to each one. The advantage to this is that you don't need to change your link in your bio very often. The second advantage is if you don't have an easy-to-update website, Linktree is very easy to maintain. However, there are a couple of disadvantages to Linktree, the first of which is that you're sending people to a link that isn't on your domain, which makes it hard to track where that person came from once they do land on your page. The second disadvantage is that people can get overwhelmed by too many link options, resulting in losing them. Remember, people have very short attention spans these days. The third link you could use is a dedicated landing page via your own website domain with a few different links. The advantage of this is like Linktree, you won't need to update your link in your bio very often, and it's on your own domain. A disadvantage though is also like Linktree, your audience can get overwhelmed by too many options. And if you have a difficult to update website, this could be really hard to maintain. You need to do what works best for you. But I personally like to use direct links that I change with my calls to action. It's a little bit more work, but I know that I'm sending people exactly where I want them to go and I'm not overwhelming them. The final step to setting up or optimizing your bio is that you should always include your address. This will make it that much easier for your customers to find you and therefore buy from you on Instagram. If you are a brick and mortar, this should be your direct address where people can visit you for tastings. If you don't have a dedicated location, then you should include your general location. For example, I work remotely, so my address is listed simply as Orkut, California, which is in the middle of Santa Barbara wine country where I'm based. Okay, So once your bio is optimized, the next item on the agenda is to create a list of 9 to 12 content categories that you will cycle through when you're creating posts. This should be general topics that are important to your brand and to the type of content your target audience will find valuable. Some examples of categories for wineries could include winemaking behind the scenes, vineyard operations, sustainability organics or biodynamics, activism and values, what the tasting experience looks like, wine scores, accolades, and testimonials, wine and food pairings, events, and even nature sightings. Some of these topics may overlap, and that's okay. The idea is to give yourself several topics to cycle through that you know your audience will find value in. So they aren't getting fatigued by the same type of post every single month. A big thing to remember with your content categories is that people are on Instagram for one of three reasons, which I like to call the three E's of social media. They're there to be entertained, educated, and to be engaged. If your topic doesn't do one of those three things for your target audience, then it shouldn't be on your list. So now that you've selected your nine to 12 categories, it's time to actually create your content. When you're starting a brand new account, you'll want to create nine posts to establish your feed. So when people start discovering you, they have some valuable posts to consume to decide if you are worth following. Important note, remember people aren't on Instagram to be sold to, so only make a sales post once every four to five posts if you can. Another important note, I recommend using a feed planning and scheduling app like Later, Planoly, or my personal favorite, Plan That, to help you plan out how your feed will look. A link to Plan That is in the show notes. Now, you're gonna select three to four different photo or video topics that answer the questions who, what, where, and why. For example, You could have three photos each of people, places, and products and post them in random order. Some ideas for each of these photo categories could be people, a photo of your owner or winemaker with a caption about who they are and how what your winery makes is going to make your audience's life better. Places, a photo of a vineyard you get fruit from with a caption about what makes that vineyard site unique. This is a great post to establish where you are located. Product, a photo of a bottle of your most popular wine with a caption about what kinds of foods it pairs well with. But remember, the first question you should always ask yourself when creating content is, will my target audience find this valuable? We will talk about caption writing and growth strategies in future episodes, but today is all about getting established. So hang tight. Now for a bonus tip. In order to be successful on this platform, you need to be consistent. This doesn't mean that you need to post every day to your feed. In fact, I recommend only posting to your feed two to three times per week, something we will go deeper into in a future episode. What it does mean is that you should find a posting schedule that works for you and stick to it. I recommend starting by naming the exact days you are going to post what because I believe that what can be done at any time is often done at no time. For example, I go live on my Instagram every Tuesday at 10.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. I try to post a feed post every Wednesday or Thursday and I try to post a reel every other Friday. Don't try to overdo it right out of the gate. Set a schedule for yourself that is manageable at this time. You can't improve on a habit until it exists. So right now, you're just establishing the habit of being consistent on social media. Once you've got that down, then you can start increasing the frequency of your posting if you feel you need to. Baby steps, my friend. You'll get there. All right. Those are all the steps you will take to get your account up and running. Good job. You made it. (laughs) In each episode, I want to give you examples of brands who I think are doing a great job at whatever it is we're talking about that day. I gave you a few examples earlier in the episode, but I thought we might also do a little case study of a brand who is starting from the ground up using the strategies we talked about today. I'm helping my friend Chelsea Boss of C Boss Marketing get started with her new brand on Instagram. For a long time, she was marrying her personal Instagram with her business Instagram, which she said stifled her creativity in both and confused her audience. So she recently launched her business account as at Boss Marketing, that's S-E-A-B-O-S-S marketing on Instagram to keep those two accounts separate. Chelsea is going to be a regular contributor on this podcast. You will get to meet her in episode two, where we will be talking about planning your marketing calendar for the year, a little teaser for you nerds. She will give us an update on the progress of this brand launch that day as well. So be sure to tune in for that. Okay, now it's your turn. I find that it's easy for people to just listen to podcasts like this and never take action on it. So your mission, should you choose to accept it, is put half an hour on your schedule today to outline each of these steps we talked about above for your wine brand. You are going to write out what your purpose is. You're going to ID your audience, set up or overhaul your profile by optimizing your username, name field, bio, call to action, and your links and contact info. Then you're going to create your content categories, post your first nine posts, And finally, get consistent by scheduling what days you are going to post moving forward. And because I really care about you and I want you to succeed, as an incentive, the first three of you to do this will receive a free Instagram bio audit from me when you email your finished outline to podcast at craftandcluster.com. I will go through your outline and make suggestions on ways you can make it even better. Again, the first three people to email me their outline at podcast at craftandcluster.com will get a free bio audit valued at $150. Friends, we did it. Thank you so much for joining me for the very first episode of the Craft and Cluster podcast. What? You are so awesome. And damn it, I'm going to say it. I love you. If you found this episode super valuable, be sure to spread the love by screenshotting, sharing, and tagging at Craft and Cluster on Instagram so I can connect with you and see all the awesome ways you are implementing what you learn here. And to make sure you never miss an episode, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. I'll see you next Monday. Bye. Hey there, you just listened to the Craft and Cluster podcast, a production of Craft and Cluster owned exclusively by me, Heather Danitz. The opinions and statements in this show are those of me and any guests that appeared on the Craft and Cluster podcast and are for entertainment purposes only. I cannot guarantee any particular result or return on investment based on any statement from this show. But what I can guarantee is my extreme psychitude that you are still listening to this even though the episode has ended. And this is clearly a disclaimer. You are super dedicated. I like that about you.